Today's scripture reading is from Amos chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, and the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, to the melody of your harps I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Thank you, Jared. How are we doing this morning, church? I'm doing a little better. I haven't had a voice all week, and it's back, so a little better. When more and more people are celebrating evil and sin, is anyone going to say something? In this series, we are looking at examples in the prophets of people who brought messages of the bad news. In Elijah's case, and also Amos, who we, who we will look at again this morning, the reason that their message is bad news is because the people who they are speaking to didn't want to listen. If we are baptized believers, then we are now the ones who are called to stand up. We are the prophets. We are the priesthood. And we have a responsibility to air the truth. And as we've seen this year, this means owning our responsibility to be witnesses of the truth to those who need to see it, meaning that we are leading people to Christ for the first time, which is exciting. But it can also mean that we have a responsibility to bear the bad news, that human beings were not created for sinful and selfish living. We are created for a holy relationship with God and a holy relationship with others, the two greatest commands that were highlighted by Jesus. And when people don't want to hear what is good news to us sounds like bad news to them. And for the next few weeks, we'll continue to work through Amos and his message that is bad news for so many people, even for God's people. Now, if you're listening to these messages about the bad news and you're thinking, well, this sermon's not... That's not for me. It's, it's not my cup of tea. Well, then you're in good company with the prophet Amos. And if you're thinking, you know, I'm going to wait until we get back to Jesus and the cross and the, uh, and the good news and the kindness, that's when I'm going to invite my friends and family to church, then you and Amos have a lot in common. You see, because Amos doesn't want to share his bad news that he's been given. All he wants to do is go back to taking care of his sheep. But if you'll read the orange words with me again this week, the lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Even though people might try to silence Amos, and they did, they might disagree with him, they might try to argue with him, he cannot help but share the truth, no matter how unpopular it is. Who can do anything else but prophesy if we've heard the roar of the Lord? 
Last week we looked outward at Amos's bad news to the foreign nations, at, at them. It was a challenging message, but I encourage you to go back and listen if you weren't able to join us. This week, we're going to turn inward. As Amos's bad news message turns in, inward to Israel and Judah, inward to God's people. How were God's people ignoring God's word? What we're going to see this morning is that God's people were taking advantage of their situation. Their new status in the land of promise has seemed to have a negative effect on their willingness to step out in faith for God. Is that something that could be said of us? Are we getting too comfortable in our faith for our relationship with God to have a real impact on our life? Or more importantly, are we getting too comfortable in our faith for our relationship with God to have an impact on the people in our lives? Return with me once again to Amos as we look at what the prophet has to say to God's people. Last week, we had one of the bad news oracles to Judah. Let's reread it again and then see what Amos has to say also to Israel. Starting in Amos chapter 2, Uh, in verse 4. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes, but their lies have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. We read that last week and we'll come back to it later. On on to Israel in verse 6. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside to the way of the wicked. A man and his father go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned, and they lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. And in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. As I touched on last week, Even though Amos is bringing different bad news judgments to all these different groups of people, all of these people are guilty of similar crimes. Because evil anywhere leads to injustice and pain and heartbreak everywhere. The effects of the fallout that took place in the garden are still being felt in Israel, they're still being felt in Judah, they're still being felt in the surrounding nations, and they're still being felt in our world today. Because evil leads humanity to do things that we were not created to do. It might not seem like there's a lot in common between the judgment against Judah and the judgment against Israel, but I want to try to connect some of the dots for us this morning. And the judgment against Judah found in verse 4, which we read a couple of times last week, it accuses those of God's people living in Judah of forsaking the law and following after the lies of their fathers. We will revisit the end of that, of the lies that they are following later this morning. In the judgment against Israel, however, it can be broken up into three different categories. Economic injustice, sexual immorality, and spiritual manipulation. The first of these is economic injustice. In Israel, the people have taken on this mindset of, it's mine, I earned it. In other words, the 
families and the households in Israel are becoming very me first in how they use their, use their money. God responds to this idea several times in the book of Amos by reminding them that they didn't earn what they have, the riches of the promised land. It was given to them by God. It was I who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and led you 40 years in, in the wilderness, he, he tells them in Amos 2.10. This might not seem like a big deal, economic injustice, but it's important for us to really understand that God cares about how his people use their money and use their resources. The second theme in these judgments is sexual immorality. The judgment in verse 7 is specifically against incest. However, the idea here isn't so much a judgment against a specific sexual sin, but it's a judgment about how God's purpose becomes perverted when people live sexually immoral lives. In recent decades in our country, there's been a draft, drastic shift in how people view things like sexuality. And the claim that's been made is that through our right to privacy, we have the right to do with our bodies what we want. Very me first. And God responds to this idea by reminding them that up to this point for Israel and for Judah, they already have a very intimate and very private relationship with God. You only have I known of all the families in the earth in Amos chapter 3. If anything, the Israelites' right to privacy is just them trying to hide in the garden from God like Adam and Eve. And there are many people today who might not think that sexual immorality is a big deal anymore. Hopefully that isn't the case for us. But it's important to understand that God truly does care how his people use their bodies, use, use their marriages, and use their families. The third judgment in, uh, in this list against Israel is spiritual manipulation, and I, I think it's one of the most important ones. In, in verse 8, there's this reference to making pledges and to drinking in the house of the Lord. Again, like the first two bad news judgments against Israel, this one isn't necessarily about the specifics, but it's concerned with how these people are treating their relationship with God, how they are taking advantage of who God is. What's taking place here is the Israelites are coming to the temple, and they're wearing their banner as God's people proudly. They're hanging around the temple, and they're having a great time, which we'll do after our worship this morning at the potluck. You should come. But when they leave the temple, they're also going to other temples. They're also going to other places of worship. They're also going to other altars, other spiritual atmospheres to try to get some kind of spiritual satisfaction. In other words, they are manipulating their relationship with God to get what they want. Very me-first. The common thing among all these judgments is Israel is exploiting what the Lord has given them. They're, they're taking advantage of God. You, you've heard the phrase, have your cake and eat it too. The Israelites seem to be embracing this mentality in all aspects of their life. No care where God fits in. No worry what God's law has to say. No concern with how God created them to live. And everything, the Israelites are me first 
Be first in how they spend their money, like we saw, and how they treat their marriages and their families. Be first in how they treat their interaction with Yahweh. How does the people get this way? How does an entire nation of people end up like this? We've been talking about the centuries of evil and idolatry that was taking place in Israel and Judah, and how no one was willing to stand up and say something until Elijah came along. But I know that Elijah wasn't the only one who knew the right thing to do. Surely, there were other Israelites who were quietly disagreeing with what was going on in their nation. How does an entire nation of people become so spiritually callous that they genuinely don't feel like standing up to the evil around them? You remember the, uh, the judgment against Judah earlier. They have rejected the law of the Lord. They've not kept his statutes, and their lies have led them astray. This is the lie that's led them astray. Even for people who were, who was, who were doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord— the lie that led them astray is that I don't have to worry about other people. Love God, and their neighbors can fend for themselves. Love God my way, and they can love God their way. Only person I have to worry about is myself. That's the lie that they've been, that they've been believing for so long. And the reason that Israel exists in this sinful cycle for all those years, all those centuries, it was not because people didn't know God, or it's not because people didn't care about God. The reason Israel was able to go through such a long period of ungodliness is because the people who did know God looked at the sin around them and said nothing. What about us? Sure, like Uzziah, who we talked about, last week. We might be doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord, but are we looking at the people in our life, maybe even in our own families, who need to know God, and we're saying nothing? We'll come back to you and I shortly. Before we do, I, I want to point out one of the Israelite responses to this bad news that Amos has for them, one that I think is unfortunately far too relatable to you and to me. We've talked a lot about this widespread evil and idolatry among, uh, among the nations of God's people. And with the privilege of over 2,000 years, it's really easy to look back at what they were doing and say, yeah, they deserved to be punished. They deserved to go into exile. But what about the good Israelites? What about the ones who were doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord? Do they also deserve the bad news that Amos has for them? Do, do they deserve judgment? Let's read from Amos 5, which was, uh, which was just read for us a moment ago, starting in verse 18. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. The day of the Lord is often associated with the day that Jesus is going to come back and, and reclaim his own. It should be a very exciting day, right? A day that we're all looking forward to. We sing hymns about it all the time. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more. When the morning breaks, eternal, bright, and fair. Or, or uh, 
What about when we all get to heaven? What a day of rejoicing that will be. Or, or even Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. These joyous hymns about the day of the Lord. Woe to you, Amos says, who long for that day. I imagine that there are good Israelites who are looking at the evil around them, and they're probably, probably thinking, well, that just means that Jesus is coming back soon, right? He sure is going to punish these people for their evil, or maybe they're even thinking they're going to get what's coming to them. Clearly, there's no hope for those people. And this is what Amos has to say to the, to the so-called good Israelites who are longing for God to come and punish the evildoers around them, even the evildoers among their own nation. As if a man fled from a lion, and then a bear met him, or he went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall, a serpent bit him. It is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light, and gloom with no brightness in it. You see, these Israelites have fled from the scary lion, and these Israelites have retreated to their homes from the bear, which is loud, and they've sought refuge, keeping away from the big evils where they fell victim to the bite of the serpent. Quick to notice the speck in their brother's eye, completely ignoring the plank that is lodged in their own. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. It is darkness, Amos says, because you have avoided the big evils but your heart is far from God. And this is bad news for God's people. Amos continues in verse 21, I'm the Lord, I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. The peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You see, God doesn't want the feast. He doesn't want the offerings. He doesn't want the gatherings. God wants his people to care about him. God wants his people to care about his word and his will being done, not just in their lives, but in the lives of the people around them. He wants all of his people to truly know him. And this can come in many forms. It can come in the form of how people use their money to care others and serve God. It can come in the form of how people use their bodies and how they use their marriages and their families to exemplify God's plan for creation, not just to satisfy our own cravings. And it can come in the form of how God's people treat God with reverence and honor above all else, not just as a spiritual drive through to come and get what we think we need. The truth underlying all of Amos's message to Israel, the four nations, and to everyone who we'll, who we'll talk about next week, it's found in verse 24 that we just read. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God's justice is going to roll, and God's righteousness is going to flow. Unfortunately, for so many people, that's going to be bad news. Wide is the way to destruction. And for a few, it's going to be good news. Arrow is the way to eternal life. And there were some Israelites 
who instead of demonstrating truth to their neighbors, they chose to wait on the Lord to punish their neighbors. And instead of wanting other people to know who God was, they wanted others to be punished by God. And in doing so, they cast the same judgment on themselves. Good-meaning Israelites, who were doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord, saw their neighbor in serious spiritual need and said nothing and did nothing. My question for you and for me this morning is this. When we look at the people around us in our life, are we hoping that they get the bad news? Are we keeping the good news for ourselves? Because if we're unwilling to share the gospel with other people, to stand up for the truth regardless of the situation, we might not truly appreciate how valuable the news that we have is. And maybe, like the good Israelites who were doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord, we're taking advantage of God. Maybe if only in the back of our minds we're looking at the sinful living around us and we're thinking, I can't wait for Jesus to come back. They'll get what's coming to them. Woe to those who long for the day of the Lord. It is darkness and not light, for justice will roll down like waters and righteousness will flow like an ever-flowing stream. I don't hear what I'm not saying. On the day that Jesus returns, it will absolutely be a glorious day, a day that we are singing praises but it should tear up our hearts that there are people who are not going to be able to enjoy it. Are we looking at the people in our life, maybe in our own families, who need to know God, and are we keeping the truth from them? A little confession. I know for a fact in my life there are people who for one reason or another I've held the truth back. Sometimes I feel like if I said something, it might end that relationship. And maybe... I'll get defensive, and I, I, I won't know what to say. Sometimes I don't say something because I, I don't feel like it's not my place. Who am I to tell others how to live, right? After all, we don't want to be accused of judging others. That's, that's the cardinal sin in our, our culture. That, that's the trump card in any argument. But the real judgment is cast not when we say something. The real judgment is cast when we say nothing. Whatever the reason is, it's not on us to keep the truth from people who need to hear it. And if we know people who need Jesus, if we see people who need Jesus and we say nothing, then we've cast a judgment upon them. The real good news is that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, grace abounds for us even when we do nothing. For even when we say nothing, however, we should not take advantage of our relationship with God. Amos' message to, Israel, to the Israelites is bad news, but like I mentioned last week, it's not bad news because God is a bad God. It's bad news because the people didn't want to know God. They didn't want to listen to God. And if we don't want to listen, if others won't listen, even the good news of Jesus the good news of the baby in the manger, the good news of the cross and the resurrection can sound a lot like bad news for people who choose to live in sin. 
If you are not a Christian this morning, it breaks our hearts that you do not know God. We would love to introduce you to him through baptism in the blood of Jesus Christ, and your sins will be forgiven. And when Jesus comes back, that will be a magnificent day. If you are a Christian this morning, I encourage you to think about are you taking advantage of your relationship with God? This morning, do you feel like you have a responsibility to bear the truth? If we don't, then all we're bringing God is empty gatherings, useless festivals, and noisy songs. When our hearts are truly after God, and we truly care for the souls of the people around us, then we can long for the day of the Lord. Until then, woe to those who do. Are you going to say something this week to spread the truth of God's word? My prayer is that the people that you do would hear it as the good news that it is. But even if they don't, even if they hear it as bad news, I pray that we have the boldness to proclaim it loudly. We have the boldness to air the bad news to people who need to hear it. If you have a need this morning, come as we stand and as we sing.